Vasa's going to be very mellow this game. But she's not too mellow to not go around the group and remind everybody that the, that the crystals are not candy and to use them more conservatively. <laughs> Please, if everyone could refrain from feigning dead for just the sake that Tompkins doesn't use it, crystal everyone. Oh my god, crystal. yeah. Like, if you I'd known... You realize that if we didn't have the crystals, we could have found ways around all the health crisis that we had. But because we had the crystals, people were just slapping them like they're water balloons. <laughs> That's what I keep saying about helium, but no one listens to me. <laughs> like everyone's world's running out of helium, guys. Stop buying balloons. Oh, do you want me to get my helium tank and talk in helium no! voice this game? Oh, yes. Holy shit. <laughs> so much. Yes. James. This is all yes. I want now. I fucking forgot that she has an entire tank. Does she? That seems dangerous. That doesn't seem safe. Vasa looks over to Tompkins and is like, Tompkins, if you fucking leave my sight, I will stab the shit out of you. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, now all I want is a side <laughs> adventure have... of Vasa I... as a child, and that's just how she speaks the whole time. Oh my god! Somebody said we should do a Muppet Babies episode of World Walkers, and now this is what I want to do. We all get helium, <laughs> and no, then we the all world die. Is running out. Yeah, we're <laughs> killing the world in Pedro. <laughs> all right. Well, I murdered my dog, so hopefully things <laughs> calm down a little bit. Woke up in a lucid dream Now we're hunting for the shards We might be an oddball team But at least we've got no bards World Walkers What's up everybody? Welcome to World Walkers, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast played by professional cartoonists. I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers. The group recently decided to visit a nearby festival full of fireworks, interesting people, and much more. We join the group as Megan comes back to the game after a small break and gets a taste of what's in the area. Thanks once again to our supporters over at Patreon.com for making this and every other episode of World Walkers possible. If you'd like to consider becoming a member, head on over to patreon.com slash worldwalkers and take a look. Let's check out what happens in episode 68, Bards Being Bards. No, So uh, um, there are four different booths that they had explored. I don't know if you wanted to investigate any of those before you were ushered in to the show. Uh, nope. All Alton would be doing would be playing up maybe like almost like rugged cowboy. With her cloak now, so she has a, she has a cloak. I just need to reemphasize she has a cloak now. So she'd be like on her on her bullet belt and her kind of like with the swagger. Like, Do you have a piece um, of straw sticking out of your mouth? Because I feel like that's important. yeah. She probably she probably found a little bit of straw, and then if she could. But she won't. She probably didn't. But if she had the chance, she probably would have had a cowboy hat um, as well. But anyways, so she's just like, right, let's do this. <laughs> I like that in the future we'll be able, like, if we ever enter a world just uh, forged, it'll be like, ours are the ones with the funny hats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once the show has been announced, it's going to start. 
Uh, everyone starts crowding around, starts heading on in. I think you guys kind of got swept up in the crowd. Yeah, we kind of like headed. We listened. Yeah. We wanted to see. Especially, I think, we met Kellett's brother and we freed him. And he talked about that. I believe it was him that said the nightmares come and attack like at large groups. They're like instilling panic there. I totally forgot that he said that. We should get out of this crowd. The only seats that were available were kind of front row seats. And that's where you're kind of positioned in front uh, or right next to that bard that was super excited and just like jazzing people up. And she's got her loot out. T-shirt cannon. T-shirt cannon. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No. It's the wand of webbing that shoots (laughs) T-shirts. For some reason, what I'm imagining is almost like a Final Fantasy IX where it's the beginning scene. They're in the city and they're like putting on a show and there's like a choreographed fight. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm tangent. <gasps> is this the tutorial but- fight? I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro, it took a little while to get through the beginning of World Walkers, but I think now it's really good. <laughs> Time to take off the training wheels. <laughs> There's bards all around. Like once you enter the ruins of Castle Gilcrest, when you walk in, it's probably about a hundred or so feet of space for like the stage, the main area, and then they have stadium type seating that they've set up, kind of like bleachers they've rolled in, and they've set them on three of the walls. the The wall furthest away from the entrance is bare, and uh, yeah, they're just getting everything set up. People are excited, cheering talking to each other. Like I said, the bards are out playing music and kind of getting their crowds excited. And then they're serving food as well. I don't know if you guys are going for any food or if you're just waiting. Rumblestone would be looking around and trying to read lips of people, especially further away. And if there looks like any event organizers, just to, you know, like see if you could pick up anything like, oh, it's really weird. I can't believe this happened. You know, like this kind of <laughs> context clues. Oh yeah, now he's just a nightmarish blob. <laughs> We're still going to go on with the show. No, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nothing like that. You can just see them trying to organize. Um, I don't know if you pick up anything super interesting looking around. But if you're reading the lips of the crowd, they're just excited because it's this is the 100th year anniversary. So people have been really excited about seeing the big show they put together. And that's about it. Um, in the same vein, can Vasa sort of um, stick to the side of the of the building, even if they're like pushed forward a little bit more? She's going to try to like be more to the side to sort of use her passive perception on the crowd, see if she sees any like shadow figures, not necessarily nightmares, but like people going through the crowd against the crowd's flow or looking suspicious or anything like that. Yeah, you have a sixteen, right? I have a sixteen. Yeah, no, it looks just like a regular crazy event. Nothing that sticks out. I mean, you're going to see, like, kids trying to sneak through um, and get into better seating and stuff, people pushing, but nothing that, like, sets off any kind of alarm. Yeah. Classic establishing shot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After a while, then, um, Basa would sort of, like, relax her watch of the room and just keep an eye on Tompkins. Mm Mm-hmm. Tompkins is, like, getting more and more excited. Like, at first, he, like the rest of you, was a little apprehensive about what was going on. But now, like, when you turn to see him, you see him, and he has, like, this big box of popcorn. And he's kind of just chowing down on it. He's looking around. And he's like, are you guys? Are you, I mean, are you guys getting hyped yet? Should we be getting hyped? I don't know. 
fireworks and stuff. When's the last time you saw fireworks? <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he brings up a fair point. <laughs> Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, he, he gets ready, and then the bards start to all fall into sync and play the, the same song. And then as they're playing and getting everyone hyped, the bard near you, um, what are your guys' faces like? Are you excited like everybody else, or are you just kind of, like, assessing the That's situation? Or, yeah. That's Mazda's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brummelstone's classic sour dad kind of off to the side. <laughs> He's read enough books to know that like something's about to go wrong and he doesn't trust it. What few stories he hears, it's always crowds gather, that's when beasts attack. Ertleby <laughs> uh, is in her own head. She's not really paying much attention and she's clearly thinking about something and a little unhappy about it. Yeah, Tin's probably in like standby mode. No, I'm just kidding, but she's <laughs> she's just a little. She also has like no positive or negative emotion, but she's I don't know at this point she knows, she trusts no one or any any situation, so she's just ready. <laughs> yeah, if anything, Vas is doing that thing that we always do sometimes. We're like, okay, if something happens, I'm gonna duck under there, I'm gonna grab this person, <laughs> and I'm gonna like exit out through that way. So she's like forming an escape plan in case shit goes down. Yeah. So while the bard's playing, um, <clears throat> some bards are singing, some bards are doing their instruments. She's doing the instruments, but as she's playing, she walks up to you and um, she kind of turns to the side a little bit like she's playing out. But then she turns to you guys and she's like, why are you guys so weird? And then just kind of keeps playing, <laughs> but stays near you guys. Guys, we've blended perfectly. <laughs> Do, uh does anyone respond? I feel like, <laughs> like I'm still talking to wanna... you guys, and she's kind of just. Vasa just gives her like like a very sort of like stern stare, and then like after having like eyeballed her up and down, continues looking at the crowd. Yeah, Tin will make a motion to the rest of the, our group, being like, "We don't talk to her." Ouch! I was just gonna be polite. But Oh, Brummelson would say something like, we've been learned to be cautious in these situations. And like her eyebrows kind of raise and she's like, ooh, adventurers. And she just kind of keeps playing her song. Uh, so are Plus people two. still, or is everyone starting to settle down? Like, No, they're getting hyped. Like the, the, the song is going on long enough that um, anyone, uh, what's your guys' passive insights? Anyone with a passive insight of 14 or higher recognizes they're stalling while the state like while the, everything's getting set up mm. yeah uh, Ertleby would kind of shake herself out of her intense thoughts and look at the bot and be like what's your name dearie who is singing to us and she smiles and kind of not, uh, nods towards you and goes my name is Calliope the best bard in Corsetto Calliope it's very and nice you to are- meet you a Grumtild Swiper. <laughs> You've probably heard of me. There's some pretty famous songs about me. That's neither here nor there. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So last episode, Vasa for those of you, stepped in and been like, <laughs> "Our names are no concern to you. You can continue playing on if you are such a great bard." <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to spit up so bad. Pedro's not dead. <laughs> so, so last episode, Ertlebee used a code name that was ridiculous, and that everyone was like, "No one's going to remember that." But Olivia, or at least Waterloo version of Olivia, remembered <laughs> it was stored in the database. <laughs> so when she brought it up, everyone was excited to hear it again. Megan, here's the stupid thing about this this world. If you tell the bards a story about somebody awesome and the person has the same name as you, they don't let you spread that story around. So Erdlby had to make up um, an alter ego to to have stories about her spread throughout the lands. And so... To be fair, Erdlby is not like the most common name around. <laughs> <laughs> if you had gone with like Jennifer, I think you probably could have pulled it off. <laughs> nope, it's Grum from now on. Alter oh, ego. Man. Anyway, Calliope we just met. It's very nice to meet you, Calliope. What's going on here? And she looks confused and she says, uh, the greatest uh, event on this side of the world is about to happen. And it's going to be amazing. And they're going to tell a really cool story. And you're all going to learn a lot and then get super hyped. And then you're going to walk away with even more knowledge than you had before. And as she talks and gets more excited, like she starts to play a little too fast and she has to like pull back. And fall back in sync with the rest of the, the bards as they stall for time. I mean, as they perform. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, is are there any... Does it look like there's any way to, like, potentially peek backstage? Uh, no, no. Because there's not really a stage. Like, it's just this open... Like, it's the ruins of a castle. And there's no roof. So it's just the crumblings of walls. And they've set up some bleachers in here. So it's probably about like maybe like a hundred people together. And then wherever they're gonna come from, you're not sure because like there's no yeah, there's no stages set up. So finally, uh the music starts to die down a little bit, and then um there's another bard that walks forward. He has what you might consider uh very traditional bardic clothing, almost like a Shakespearean. He's got like the kind of like the one piece and it's like bold purple stripes mixed in with lighter kind of lilac purple stripes. And he has kind of the, the flamboyant hat with the feather in it. Like he's got really tight, um, light purple leggings and dark purple shoes. And he has a, it looks like a loot. But it seems a little more complicated than that. And when he plays, there's almost like an electric tinge to his uh, music. And he comes out and kind of goes into like this kind of sweet solo for a second. And then ends it, <clears throat> looks around, and he says, uh, Thank you all for coming to this grand celebration of the Guardian of the Elders, both the remembrance of the former guardian and the celebration of our current guardian. We are going to reenact the story for you, let you see for the first time what happened that fateful night 100 years ago. And then people look excited. They start cheering. He just kind of gives a nod and he says, I think you're all going to enjoy it. 
And he takes a step back, flourishes, and then the bards fall into like another song and start to kind of build up the tension. And you can see this gentleman walk off to the side, and then it looks like he kind of works some kind of magic. And then suddenly, the next time he speaks, his voice fills the entire area as if he's amplifying his own voice. And uh, he explains, he says, The guardian of the elders is a mantle that is passed down from person to person. They use their gauntlet to summon the elder spirits of Rolanus and protect the world, the very elemental forces that our world is made up of. The guardian of the time whose name has unfortunately been lost to history, had made their way to Castle Gilcrest in order to find out if the rumors were true and that... And he kind of looks around whether or not the spirit world was being opened up. And then he kind of like fades back a little bit and the area gets darker. And then it kind of starts... Like, it's like all of the lights kind of go down and the area grows really dark. Um, And you can see, if you're paying attention to him, that he's working some kind of magic. And he brings the lights down, if you will, in the area, almost into total darkness. And then torches light up around the walls. And these people walk in and they're all wearing um, thick, really heavy uh, black cloaks. And they walk in in a procession and then they gather around and as they kind of take their positions at the far end of the uh, area, he starts to speak up again, and he says, Hundreds of years ago, a group of magicians had called upon the spirits of the spirit world to give them power. Their dark ritual brought forth spirits of ogres that had long been driven from the world of Rolanus. And as he says that, there's kind of like, they're really cool effects. Like you can see the other bards are starting to work their magic now and they're creating kind of like, since you guys can see them out in the open, you can see that, especially if you have any like, um, Brummelstone and Tin and Ertleby would recognize that they're working illusion magic. They kind of uh, create this shimmering flat blue surface that kind of pulses with power and they're keeping their hands out and kind of wiggling their fingers to keep the focus of it and what forms up is what some of you might assume is uh what's supposed to look like a portal and these like this cool blue energy kind of slowly rips out in a very cinematic fashion and slowly infests their bodies and they kind of rise up And then they take their cloaks off and they have painted their skin blue and their hair has been dyed white to give them the appearance of some kind of mystical type ogre. Brummelstone or anyone that wants to roll a knowledge arcana check? 24. Um, These are Oni, otherwise known on some worlds as ogre mages. They're like really powerful ogres that um, have a natural affinity for magic and are able to work it um, with very little effort. As, as it goes on, Brummelstone is, like, getting more into it, and you can see him start to steal, <laughs> slowly, like, steal popcorn from Tompkins, and, like, <laughs> uh-huh. Like, this is his jam. He's just been, he's been on war mode so long that he's, like, he forgot how much he loves this stuff. <laughs> 
what they did not account for was the fact that they would soon lose their bodies and their souls to the very ogres they had invited into our world. And then you watch as the people that, uh, you watch as the magicians up front that have, have, have taken their cloaks off, they start to kind of convulse and they get very uh, theatrical about it. And then suddenly they all throw their heads back at the same time and they kind of do this weird, like, it's supposed to sound like a monster scream. <laughs> <laughs> they do their best in practice. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and, Takes me um, back to my community theater days. <laughs> <laughs> their souls were lost that night. And as they became a, more and more accustomed to their new bodies and then this world, they took the moment to spread out and discover where they had ended up. And if they had truly come back to Rolanus to learn as much as they could about it, they're not... When they came back, they had not come back as mindless ogres, but as something far, far more devious. They came back a y- hundreds of years later to this spot to open the very same portal that allowed them entry. And then a lot of them have kind of gone off to the side, but um, there's one that stays behind, and he's like the biggest one. He seems pretty buff. Um... He stands at least a, a half a foot over the rest of them. And he walks forward and he puts his hand out. And the portal, which had kind of faded as they walked off, he f- waves his hand and the portal forms back up and gets all wobbly and stuff like that. And as he's kind of working the portal, quote unquote, we come back to the moment that the leader of these terrible ogre beasts, Krogalis, he returns to open the same portal. We don't know why he took so long. Clearly, there was some sort of devious planning on his part. The corruption that he helped spread to the world, no doubt, helped weaken the barriers. And that's when the Guardian walks in. And so then the crowd looks to the uh, entrance that you guys had come in, and somebody in a... Uh, lavish red cloak like a maroon cloak with all kinds of silver sigils racing all over the cloak she steps in and she has this large leather glove on her right hand and she kind of flexes it and there seems to be uh some some gold uh stitching in it as well and as she makes a fist some of the bards on the side work their magic a little bit and make the glove kind of glow and she walks in a little bit and um, Calliope is next to you guys and she's like this isn't how it happened and she keeps playing and she looks a little like pissed about what they're doing and um, she walks up and she very dramatically like puts her hand forward and she's like stop beast you shall not open a portal to your wretched world and the creature turns around and he's like oh And she's like, (laughs) she's like, that's right. It is I, the guardian of the elders. And he's like, and then the bard who's been amplifying his voice and telling the story is like, unfortunately, despite all the many languages she knew, she did not know the wretched tongue of this foul beast. And then you watch as they get into a fight. <laughs> as she rushes forward and she swings like her fist and he kind of 
He's he knows it's coming, so he raises his arms up and blocks them, and they kind of go back and forth. He's like, and then it's at that point that she decides to summon the elder spirits of Orlanus. However, and then she reaches behind her, and there's a little bit of like energy that crackles around her uh, glove, and then it doesn't ha- nothing happens. It dissipates. He's like, unfortunately, her time as the guardian was over. She had not found her replacement, and now she lacked the strength to summon the very spirits that were sworn to protect her. Her time here was almost done. And then the the person, like, he looks and stares at her, and then you can, if you're paying, like, those with high perception can see she kind of nods, and then he throws a quote-unquote vicious backhand <laughs> that does not come close to her face, and she flies back. And then she she hits the ground and, and and kind of she didn't go as far as she's supposed to like she didn't hit her mark so she kind of has to roll with it until she finally gets to the spot she's supposed to be. At this point, it became clear to the guardian that it was not just the end of her time, but it was the end of all guardians and possibly Rolanus. And then and then as she says that the doors fly open and crash against the walls. A lone figure walks in and fills the creature with dread and the guardian with hope. And the crowd is excited. They're like, oh, here we go. And the person that walks in, um, their wig is uh, (laughs) purple and very long. It's a very beautiful, well-maintained wig, but uh, easily uh, a wig, unfortunately. And they have this really cool uh, high fashion brown cloak with like a collar and it looks like it was designed for like maybe royalty and he has this uh, dagger that looks like like as he walks in as he pulls it out you can see that the the dagger kind of pushes into itself a little bit and then pops back out (laughs) and uh, (laughs) no one seems to notice they're super excited about it I hope every town has a play that we go into now on. <laughs> I just like that Rolanus is like the community theater world. <laughs> <laughs> As he walks in and he's, he's, he's broad shouldered and confident and you can just see Calliope is looking more and more pissed. Like, that is not what happened. He does not even... And she like almost breaks a string and she like goes off real bad and has to bring herself back in. She's really fidgeting. And can uh Brummelstone like wander over and be like, tell me the truth, girl. Like ask um, her. Yeah, and she's like she like she works it into the song, but she's like, he was homeless and a piece of shit. And like just kind of wanders away from you. <laughs> and he, he heroically <laughs> walks in and uh the bard that's amplified his voice he's like a zell who had tracked these ogre beasts all across the world and found them here at the very spot that he hoped he would never encounter them was finally ready to have his final battle with them he knew that he had no magic no skills nothing to bring to this fight except for the dagger that he had found on one of his journeys. All he knew was that the ogres must be stopped. And Calliope's almost done playing now. She's so furious. But 
he takes a couple steps forward and then he looks down and um she looks uh the, the guardian that had been that had to roll to her mark looks up and she's like it's you you're here it's time and she like thrusts her hand into the air and the glove is up in the air and uh <laughs> He looks at her and he's like, I understand. Rest now, guardian. And he drops the dagger <laughs> and then puts the glove on. And you can see that the uh, the ogre beast that's been patiently watching all this happen <laughs> happening <laughs> rushes forward and then like brings his fist up and goes to punch. But then Zell, quote unquote, turns around and puts his fist up and catches the fist. <laughs> with his palm and then the, all the bards except for Calliope you you think she is supposed to be involved she's decided not to be um, they create this giant explosion of light around it and there's a little bit of a cackling lightning of different colors you watch as Zell gets knocked over and then his gauntlet falls onto the dagger and kind of cracks against it and then you hear uh, the bard say, what Zell did not realize is that this was the most fortuitous thing that could have happened to him. For you see, his dagger was brass. And the crowd is like, they're blown away. Like, you guys might not know what that means, but the crowd is like, oh my god, they're, they're eating it up. <laughs> and then from that, this like there's another illusion takes shape of like this weird metallic kind of like half dragon made out of like gold and black ribbons forms up and then it starts to battle whatchamacallit at this point Calliope's walking around she's mad she's barely playing anymore she's like this is just ridiculous ridiculous and then suddenly you watch as the uh, the ogre beast uh, flies back a little bit and then as Zell walks up and gets ready to deliver some really cool line you watch as the quote-unquote ogre beast stands up and then pulls something from his pants and runs it through Zell. And Zell kind of moves forward a little bit and then collapses on the ground. And then the bard says, there are aspects of this story that even the greatest bard does not know. Everyone who wants to go ahead and roll insight. 19. I'm eating the story up. Just got a nine. It's just like, oh. oh, Claymore would love this. All right. I got a, I got a, holy shit. I got a, oh, I got a seven. Yeah. Okay. Lassa doesn't right. care about the story. 13. All right. Anyone 14 and above sees that uh, he's ad-libbing now. This is not part of the plan. <laughs> and then you watch <laughs> as... Uh, the uh, quote-unquote ogre beast walks over and then takes his hand and extends his fingers and then takes his left hand, lowers it to the ground, and then rips up this kind of weird, almost transparent energy out of the ground and then punches it forward. And that really cool-looking illusionary portal that was there explodes and then this weird blue semi-transparent crackling uh, 
grip in existence occurs instead. And then you Shit's watch as <laughs> you watch as the uh, the the original guardian, quote unquote, um, she just gets up and she walks over there as well, and then she puts her hand on his shoulder, and then you can watch energy like the same kind of like translucent, is almost like spirit, like weird spiritual looking energy rip out of her, go into him, and then cause another tear into the fabric of uh, space in front of him. Uh, what are you guys doing? This play has really cool special effects. Cool, cool. Yeah, like at this point, we don't buy it, right? I mean, from the way you're. That's a yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't roll high on my insight, see, so. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can play off your insight if you want to, but um, you can see that the the person playing uh, Zell is bleeding out. <laughs> like, oh. That was a real stab. What? That was a real stab. <laughs> that was a real yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, if Brummelstone would make a quick access of the magic going on. Yeah, all right. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. it sounds like you guys are getting into action. No, yeah, yeah, Vasa's would... just like fucking bards, man. <laughs> 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 all right, so. <laughs> well, Brummelstone would, he would, like, because he's still by Calliope, he was like, Calliope, something's wrong. And he would charge forward and he would yell at to the others. Like, something's all right, wrong. Yeah. Uh, like, Whoa, guys, what are you doing? Come back. They're just bards. It was like, Brumblestone has seen community theater and no one spends all the money in the second act. Like, this is just foolish. <laughs> so, this is either... You're over budget, assholes. <laughs> You're over budget. They don't have the budget for this. Um, what's Ertleby doing? Is she just chill, bro, like with Vasa? Yeah, she's like very confused. The last bard I thought was dead was my son, and he was fine. This is <laughs> this is just bards being bards. Yeah, so she's like just shooting Vasa looks like. Do they not know what theater people are like? Yeah, Vasa just Vasa just like rolls around. She's like, you know, Roberto, I would have guessed, but Brummelstone. <laughs> what about Tin? <laughs> yeah. um... Tin probably this whole time, like, wouldn't have the context of knowing exactly, like, what bards being bards is like. <laughs> so she would see the blood and instantly be, like, that emergency on-call person and is like, wee-oo, wee-oo, <laughs> and, like, heading to go help that person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's, like, she's like that guy from, she's like that uh, robot from uh, Superhero 5 or something that it's, like, B5 or BMO or whatever his name is. The, the big marshmallow guy who's like... Oh, oh yeah, Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the white marshmallow. Megan, do you not know this movie? Yeah, I do. I just thought it was funny because you said... <laughs> Superhero like, 5. Hero 5. We're close. But like, if anything, Vasa would be kind of like peeved. She's like, well, first of all, there's bards. And second of all, if they were getting injured, I thought we've like trained ourselves better now to not run in the direction of danger. Like, I just thought. Yeah. <laughs> As Brummelstone hops the, uh, the guardrail right next to you. Vasa makes sure to put a hand on Tompkins in case Tompkins decides to get all heroic. What does Tompkins look like right now? He's eating his popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> the best play ever. Yeah, so first things first, you watch as weird strains of energy rip themselves out of this rift and start slamming themselves into different people in the audience, including all the bards. Oh, shit. 
Um, uh, bars will be bars. <laughs> Calliope manages to duck out of the way as the weird energy like soars past her and hits someone right behind. Like, it soars past her, and then if Tompkins wasn't a halfling, it would hit Tompkins, <laughs> but it goes right over him too, and then slams someone behind you guys. And people that are slammed fall over and start screaming. First round, Roberto. The fuck is going on? <laughs> I feel like Roberto actually just walks through the gate. Like, he doesn't even drop Father Hoppy. And I feel like Vasa at this point would be leaning down to Ertle and be like, actually, this play's not half bad. It's like, they got audience participation and everything, yeah, right? Yeah, like, a little bit impressed now. Ertle nods. Um, Roberto would, like, Roberto would spring into action, but doesn't really know what's going on. So he'll like, um, like turn to Brummel's and it's like, "What should I do? What, what, like, what do I do? What do I do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I like, I'm here, but yeah, he would say like, "Take out the wizard." <laughs> that one. Oh. <laughs> and he'll oh. point to the big orb. Um, is that a bad guy? <laughs> That's the bad guy. <laughs> the bad guy, but it's a play. All right. So after Roberto is ten, yes. uh, so ten's all wee-oo, wee-oo, <laughs> goes over to the person who's bleeding. Um, <laughs> I like to say that with her siren, people actually part out of the way as she passes by. They pull over the siren. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she goes into her first aid instincts as, are you okay? Are you okay? You, call 911. <laughs> um, it's not safe. But she's got, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a safe surrounding. She missed the first step. Um, Leave that person but, to die. That's what it tells you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, does this person have a pulse? Uh, yes. She's going to use a healer's kit on this person. Okay. (laughs) She pulls out 50 crystals and just slams them. (laughs) Like that would have caused Vasa to spring into action. Just like vaults the gate and just like grabs uh, grabs Tim's hand. It's like, no! (laughs) That's what gets Vasa up. (laughs) She's like like nodding her head being like, pretty good. Pretty good play. And then she sees out of the corner of her eye Tim about to use a crystal. Now I'm just using a healer's kit, right? Yeah, just like a band-aid. Okay, go ahead and uh, roll. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Then it'll be 16. I healed them 16. Oh, wow. Perfect roll. Um, yeah, so you slide over and start. you check the pulse and start wrapping him up. And it looks like he's going to be okay. And he's like, <laughs> what are they doing? This isn't, I don't know. isn't part of the play. <laughs> Get out of here if you can. And she kind of like kind of nudges him with her boot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you you get down, you patch him up, you stand up, and then kick him. Come on, get! (laughs) I like Cowboy 10. She didn't heal him full hit points to be gentle with him. Um, So he kind of gets up, and he's holding his side. He's like, all right. Get everyone out of here. (laughs) He looks around. Okay, everyone. And he runs off to go handle business uh, as assigned. Um, after that is Ertleby. Ertleby's figured it out. Um, <laughs> seeing Tin actually heal somebody back from death has clued her in that this is not part of the play. 
Um, so she turns to Tompkins and she's like, Tompkins, do you remember any part of this story? Do you remember anything about Zell? He's just looking at you wide-eyed like, that's way after my time, a hundred years? Wait, when were you here? Like a thousand <laughs> years ago? <laughs> Keep shaking Tompkins. It's been a while, but yeah, sure, I don't know. Haven't we established I'm old? He just keeps shaking. What about the girl one? Did you know her? What? No. What? <laughs> All right. And then Ertleby would like look to see if Cal- Calliope. Where's Calliope? Uh, she's right in front of you guys. She's getting picking herself up after dodging that blast. Uh, Ertleby, like, stop shaking Tompkins and start shaking Calliope. It's like, Calliope, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. And then, like, she's getting her loot ready. Does she fight with her loot? She's right. a bard. Yeah. And she turns around yeah. real quick and she's like, what do you do? I shoot things. Okay. Wait for me. So do you want to hold your action until she does yeah. something? I'm going to okay. hold my action until she does something. All right. Uh, Vasa? So Vasa's not stupid either. Like when this crowd starts kind of like, first of all, the crowd were a bunch of like, idiots eating up the play and like just super happy so the fact that the crowd is like scattering and screaming and like quote-unquote pretending pain Vasa kind of figured that okay shit's gone sideways but she was being really slow about reacting to this because a part of her is like i'm not really invested in helping these people but also i'm kind of peeved that this obviously bad thing that was going to happen has started to happen and i just kind of wanted to deny it a little bit but then she finally, like, she's like, okay. She kind of, like, pushes away from the side of whatever she's leaning against. She clamps Tompkins hard on the shoulder, and he's like, Tompkins, get somewhere sw- safe. And I swear to God, only use a crystal if, like, we're breathing on death's door. If you use it any sooner than that, my next crystal will be used on you because you will need it. Death and then door. She, like, gives, she gives Tompkins, like, a good shove in the opposite direction. And he goes and under the bleachers. Like, Okay, and then she kind of, like, turns around and, like, moves towards... Well, she doesn't move too close. I guess she would kind of, like, pull up a breast next to Calliope and Ertleby because, you know, like, who gets close to a tentacle, tendril, magical thing? And then she's going to um, go ahead and pull out her bow and arrow and just, like, shoot at the magical creature thing because why not? And that's what she actually says out loud. She's like, under her breath, why not? Um, and now she's going to shoot at magical ogre thing that vaguely is what I think it was. Uh, she and Vasa and I were not paying 100% attention because it was a lame <laughs> play, but also a good play. Meta. Um, <laughs> let's see. Roll to hit. Rolling to hit. It was a five. So Vasa's still kind of half-assing it right now. Vasa's arrow goes and goes wide. Yep. And then Vasa uses... Let's see what else does she do. Um... How close are Roberto and Brummelstone to the creature? Um, they ha- um, let me think. Roberto didn't move. Brummelstone hopped over the side, but he hasn't actually gone yet, so he's not anywhere near it yet. Like you guys are about a hundred feet away from the creatures, so. Yeah, um, I guess she would just like <laughs> she would have called out to she would have called out to Brummelstone to be like Brummelstone, don't get near that thing, and um sort of like positioned herself midway. So like it sounds like the crowd has moved forward a little bit. Tin and and Brommelstone have moved forward. Roberto's back there. Erlby has also kind of moved like a little bit forward to Calliope. So she positioned herself sort of midway wherever that is in this crowd. 
you watch as the quote-unquote guardian and the quote-unquote uh, ogre beast thing, right? Each of them working together, they see the commotion coming from you guys, and uh, each one of them kind of shakes their hands and puts their hands out, and then both are covered in about 20 feet of darkness each. <sighs> Calliope um, looks over to Ertleby, and then she pulls out her loop, and then she just kind of jams out with this sweet song. <laughs> And uh, she's like, what's your name again? Grumtilde Swiper. And <laughs> um, she tries to say your name me. and doesn't really get it. But luckily, it doesn't really matter if she gets or not, uh, the name correct. Because uh, after a couple sweet licks off of the loot, um, you suddenly feel yourself inspired in a way you haven't. Um, been inspired before you are now gifted with bardic inspiration what that means yeah. is that uh you know how it works no not at all oh oh they're like yeah yeah mm-hmm. i was like oh cool i was just really excited <laughs> <laughs> so once within the next 10 minutes you can roll the die that she just gave you and add it to the number it can be any one ability check attack roll or saving throw um Ooh. you can decide when you want to use it it's a d10 that you get to add to your rolls very wow. nice. Yeah, so you feel yourself just kind of like musically inspired, and then she gives you a wink, and she's like, get him, sister. And now it's your turn, Erlby. She's not worth adding to the team. Bromelstone, don't seduce her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. Those were some sick riffs. <laughs> All right, so the two baddies are shrouded in darkness, right? And there's no other real target except for... The Shroudy McDark pants. Um, right? Like those two? Yeah, you can't see them now. They're in total darkness. So, like, who am I going to shoot? If only there was a source of light. Some sort Celestial of beam light. of moon. Some kind of solar light, but, like, more gentle and kinder and pure. Uh, Erlby's going to, like, be, like, just, like... Oh, or did someone like, use trying... all their spells? Feigning death. <laughs> That's uh, this is a level two spell. This is a level two spell, Brummelstone. I got some of those left. So hold your sass. Um, but I want Ertlebee to like not have the idea originally. Like she like looks at the window and there's the moon. And she like like looks in like some of the decorations in the theater, and there's like moon create in- engravings. And she like looks at Vasa and Vasa's like, moon, moon. <laughs> She just like keeps staring blankly. <laughs> and then Ertle's she, like, I don't get it. <laughs> she looks at her hand and it's written like, if you can't figure out what to do, use Moonbeam. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. She look at you like, oh. oh my God. And then she casts Moonbeam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember writing that. Uh, so are they still 100 feet away from me? Oh, never mind. I'm going to do it right in the middle of the blackness. So um, you watch as the moonbeam forms above them, crashes down, and dispels the darkness first off. Yes. Ooh. So you watch as the flames crash down, and one of them starts to scream, and he grabs his head while he screams. And then you watch as he slowly grows larger and larger and larger until he's almost about like seven and a half, eight feet tall. He uh, burst out of most of his clothes. He is um, 
covered in real, actual thick blue skin with uh, a long white mane of hair that falls down. And you can see that there's wrinkles in his face. He looks like he's quite old, but he doesn't look like he's lost any of his power. He has thick claws. And then you also see that he has a large glaive that erupts on his back as well. Because Moonbeam, despite dispelling... uh, Things like darkness, it also reveals shape changers. Past Ertleby had the right idea, clearly, when she wrote that on her hand for some reason. <laughs> you can hear a gasp from Calliope. She's like, Oh my god, it's him. Brummelstone, you're last. Um, so I'd climb closer. What does the person beside him look like? Is she there? The- Right. Yeah, yeah but she she managed to like save versus that spell, so she still has her form. Okay. Um, but her darkness was also evaporated. Uh, yeah, I would get kind of close enough to get in range for magic missile. All right, and give me an intelligence check before you roll that. Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Right as you're getting ready to cast a spell, just to give you a heads up, you do notice that that portal is pulsing behind them and it's growing in strength. Do I know if I can attack the portal? If you don't want to attack this round, you can make the check. It's up to you. Do you want to use a not? Would you want to make an Arcana check to investigate the portal, or do you want to go after the beasts? Brummelstone's torn. Which is more dramatic? Is really the question. <laughs> <laughs> mm, nice. That's- yeah, hearing the story and knowing the mage's tale, uh, I would do my best Arcana check. Okay. 17 plus 6, so 23. Yeah, you can see that what they've done is they've created some kind of arcane rift, and your really quick study of it is that um, it's kind of created a, a gap in arcane, and they're letting that gap, that non-existence of arcane energy, um, be filled with the spirit from another world. From everything you've heard in the story so far, you can already figure out that's what they're doing, right? And so what they've done is they've torn a hole in reality, devoid of the arcane, in order to give some sort of pocket for the spirits to rip out of. So there's no arcane that exists there. That was your turn, though. So you can move and you can do that, but... Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know how to dispel it. What did you roll on your arcana check? 23. That's actually really high. So, um, the problem is there's no arcane energy there. Basically what that means is that arcane energy needs to be put back in that spot. How much energy, you don't quite know. But it's going to be like a black hole of arcane energy. So whatever you cast over there is not going to go off and then affect the area and then go in there. Yeah, yeah, no. Right. I, I figured it's just like you just need to fill it back up. Not only that, but you think after studying it, again, to just you rolled a 23, I'll give another piece. You could either cast spells into it. You're also, you, you feel like what you might be able to do is just become a conduit for it. And kind of, instead of like casting a spell into it, like essentially like pouring your spell levels into it. So if you want to do that, you can go up and make another arcana check. And then... Just start dumping as many spell levels into it as you want. Okay, yeah. So, since I can't do anything else this time, 
I would look back at Roberto and I go, you know, like, cover me. I'm going into the portal. You know, like, letting him know. Like, that's the move. Roberto, new round. Also, you watch as more um, spiritual energy rips out of the portal and slams into more people. Um, I do look at this guy, and I'm pretty freaked out by his nastiness, so I will draw my bow, and I take aim and fire off one arrow at him. All right, so yeah, you fire off an arrow, and it catches him in the shoulder. He's taking notice of you. Uh-oh. Tin? Hey, it's me. <laughs> uh, Tin is going to... Yeah, she's going she's gonna to want to take out the large threat um so she's gonna aim for the big blue blue dude she got a 16 19 damage all right but i also i also have an extra attack okay i got a 20 on that one that's a hit all right so you fire off twice connect both times he reels back uh erdoby he's gonna try and sharpshoot the spooky girl oh i just got a net 20 that was nice did you want to use your bardic inspiration um, I'm not going to use my bardic inspiration. Right. I'm going well, to... You're lost. What? <laughs> really? Am I not going to hit her? No, you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm traumatized <laughs> from that hobgoblin where we had to like get so much to make contact. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, everything is as hard to hit as the hobgoblin. All right, yeah, so you fire off and you, uh, you watch as she reels back with a huge shot like right to her chest and... She's coughing up, and she looks absolutely confused as to what just happened to her. <laughs> and it is Vasa's turn. Jane. Jane, are you awake? Jane is working the crowd and keeping everyone safe. Classic Vasa, really. <laughs> um, but she's being snarky and cool as she does it. Yeah. Yeah. You idiots, go! Go, you yeah. stupid she moron! Sees, well, I'll, look, I'll actually, I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to help out a little bit. So she sees all that spiritual energy flying out and hitting people, and she's watching as people like kind of keel over, and they're starting to shake and starting to grow ever so slightly. And you can, she sees that their skin starting to turn blue, and she does not want the crowd to be around and basically provide fodder for whatever's happening. So she's getting people out of there. So I'm going to take that into account as I work the portal. That way she's still contributing and she gets some sleep. Awesome. Um, the womanly creature, I need you to roll um, 2d10 again, uh, or it'll be. A seven and a three for a total of All 10. Right. She failed. So you watch as the um, she gets consumed by that blast. And then you watch as um, she also takes the shape of a large creature. She's going to get out of that area, obviously. Wait, did I did I sleep through fights? Oh. Yeah. Well, you're... So what? now we've saved. Yeah, we've saved for Lannis. This is a fight. I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you your turn back in a second. I, it, it, I it, slept you through like, a fight. Just, no, no, just do, <laughs> just do one turn. turn. You'll get it after oh, this. No. <laughs> That's what I, I thought. I didn't want you to miss your turn. I was um, thought you were joking. I was like, ha, Enzo, who would do that? But you watch as um, <laughs> she crouches down and then flies into the air and races towards um, Ertleby. Oh, no. Um, she, she basically spends her turn double moving up, and now she's floating... 
like 60 feet in the air right above like the kind of the battlefield. Um, then it's the next one's turn. Um, Jesus, I just rest my eyes and you turn them into like these floating specter creatures. As as she flies, though, by the way, um, anyone with a high enough perception can uh, like a 15 or higher can watch as her wounds start to stitch up. Oh, um, no. shit. The next no. one, I need you to roll 2d10 again because he's um, going to be in that area effect. Uh, and then you watch as he spreads out a little bit, but he also takes into the air 60 feet. And now it's Calliope's turn. And Calliope is going to give uh, Bardic Inspiration D10 to Vasa. Uh, so she plays you a couple, a sick riff off her loop. And then um, despite your thoughts on Bard, you do feel inspired, whether you want to admit it or not, it's up to you. And uh, Vasa, it's your turn. All right, well, um, I don't know how you uh, justified Vasa kind of zoning out, but Vasa's in it to win it. She's not really <laughs> sure what's going on, because like, last thing she knows, she was like, oh, yeah, they're, going, they're doing something over there. And then she just has one little <laughs> blink, and now she's going down with like two little ghosty floaties. Ghost floats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she's just going to assume that... Uh, that she's going to shoot at the one that's floating closest to Ertleby. Aww. I got an 18, so I'm not going to add it to that. Okay, that hit. Okay, great. All right, I got a 6 plus 4, so I do 10 damage. And then uh, Brumblestone? Roborto finally did his job, and so now I'm just going to charge at the portal and try to get up to it and fill it with magic. You'll have to be within 30 feet of it, and you were 100 feet, you moved 30. So you have to move another 60. Well, you only move 25, sorry. If you double move, you'll be within range next round. This is a very exciting action for Brummelstone. <laughs> it's not... Dr- yeah, it's not dramatic if he just like runs and tries to slide as fast as he can up to it. To slam his body into it. You want to do that? <laughs> I mean, if it will get me there this turn, yes. Roll an uh, acrobatics check. Uh, 13. So you watch as Brumblestone takes off running and tries to get there, and he tries to baseball slide, but he ends up about the same movement. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) this is cool. (laughs) You uh, pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and move on with your life. New round, Roberto. You watch as more of that spiritual energy rips out of the portal and starts slamming into people all around you. That seems to be that. That just makes me think that the portal closing the portal is a top priority because even if we beat these blue monster dudes, we're gonna have more to deal with. So um, I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna co- try to copy exactly what Brumblestone just did. All right, give me an acrobatics check. <laughs> I see what he did. I'm like, I, I can do that too. And acrobatics. Um, acrobatics. I got a 24. All right. So, yeah, he, he watches <laughs> Roberto takes off running. He's got a good, uh, like, a runner's uh, motion set to him, I guess. He's well animated. And then uh, he watches. He gains an extra, like, 10 feet on Brummel. Like, not only can he run faster than Brummel's done because he's not a dwarf, but then he also just, like, slides forward. He's actually 10 feet further than Brummel's done. It's fine. It's fine. He's no, a leaf fine. in the wind. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. Um, it's Tim? fine. No, it's fine. 
uh, I think seeing that the two people are going to go, I feel like they're the, well, Earlby's kind of got magic too, like more magic, but uh, she's saying like two people are going to take care of the portal. So her thought is to just keep this dude uh, preoccupied so that they can focus on closing the portal. So she is going to aim at this dude again. She's going to try and sharpshoot. She got a 14. A 14's a miss. So she's going to roll again. She got a 21. That one's a hit. Um, She does 20 damage. All right. So you line up your shot and take a huge chunk of him. He almost falls out of the sky and all of his attention is focused on you. Ertleby? Shoots at the lady on top of her, hovering above her um, with her gun. So mm-hmm. she's just going to normal shoot. All right. And she takes aim 21. All right. It's a hit. She does 13 damage. All right. Yeah. So you line up your shot, fire off, and another great hit gets right into its side, and it just starts to kind of choke up some blood a little bit and look angry. Vasa? Vasa is going to keep doing what she was doing totally intentionally before, because she knows exactly (laughs) how the flow of battle is going. Um, She's going to go ahead and roll to bow and arrow the blood coffee Goldie McFloat float. Um, (laughs) That is a natural 20 plus 7, so that's a 27. Vasa, I need you to make a wisdom save. Okay, that was a 16 plus 2. And Vasa feels pretty wise with that. So... Uh, she's not, she's got an 18. So you watch as her wounds, uh, stitch up a little more and then, um, she reaches her hand for it and you feel something invade your mind. Bitch, get out of my head. You feel that again. Go ahead and roll another, uh, wisdom save. Bitch. Uh. <laughs> All right. This time I got a nine at plus two makes an 11. Good thing I have bard inspiration. So that's 21. Nice. You shake off that sensation one more time as the other one uh, watches. You watch the other one's uh, wounds start to stitch up. You watch as uh, Calliope runs forward and does another uh, sweet riff off of her loot. And Brummelstone, you have Bardic Inspiration. Woo! Brummelstone? Uh, so Brummelstone saw that. Um Roborto slid 10 feet in front of him, so he's going to run and then <laughs> bounce off and take his orb and just slam it into the portal. So Hopefully there's like two, there's two ways. You can just dump to... spells in there, or you can make an arcana check and become a conduit. I will um, become a conduit, because I feel like that will be faster. All right. Yep, it's, an, uh, knowledge arcana. it's an arcana check. Okay. So yeah. So Brummelstone rolls, and then he would use uh, Robordo's like strength to jump up, and then become this conduit <laughs> as he slams into it. <laughs> Come on, nothing but net. Is Brummelstone <laughs> Starboard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, eighteen plus six, so twenty twenty four. All right, and you said you're slamming your your orb into the portal. I mean, logically, if that's like, what, if I knew, if Brummelstone knew it, that would work, that would be a cool imagery. Yeah, but yeah, it would work. It would work. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would kind of because he knows that he uses his orbs to open up to other 
timeline. So he's going to kind of essentially open up the, like, pull off the safety protector and just lit whatever the orb, like, dump whatever he can from the orb in there and hopefully fill it up faster is, like, the concept. Yep, so, yeah, you rush in there, and due to your combination of dramatics and high rolling, you actually seal the portal in one go. The portal kind Whoa, of expands yeah. for a second, wow. yeah. and then just collapses, and all of a sudden, the energy just immediately dies out. You can see people start to catch their breath all around the stadium as there's, like, a small little... Like as it as it starts to uh, collapse, it rips all of the spiritual energy out of the stadium, and it starts to pull all of them back in there with it. And then there's a little bit of a suction, and then it's like a, and then there's nothing there at all. Woo! Nice. Promostone lands and turns around, and he goes, "This play was stupid, anyways." Oh! <laughs> Cinematic moment. But not really. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, after Brownstone, new round is Roberto. Um, I would yell out, um, to everyone, like, we need to focus fire one on one person, one of them, because they're healing. So I would actually draw my bow and I would turn to the female of the one, the female one, and take aim. Females have small lobes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> First attack. I I draw I draw my bow. I loose an arrow, and it fla- it like doesn't even go high. It just kind of like it just lands on the ground again. Um, not to be deterred by this the point disappointing development. I draw a second arrow, and I do I draw it, and I do seventeen to hit. All right, that one connects. All right, yep. So the um yeah, your arrow finds her. Um, it's right in the arm. Looks like she ha- kind of winches back and holds her, clutches her arm. After that is Tin. Tin, hearing Roberto say concentrate on when we'll uh, turn to the female as well. And she's going to attempt to sharpshoot. <gasps> yes. Excellent. Uh, she got a 20 to hit. Ooh. All right, it's a hit. And she does 25 damage. And then she's going to roll to attack again. A uh, sharpshoot this time again, too. Rolls a 21. That's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> and she does 22 damage that time. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Alright, and you um, shoot her out of the sky. She crashes into the ground on moving. Yeah. Like, you can see oh. the air bend around it, like, of the shot. <laughs> there's, like a, like, there's no sound, but there's like a small like explosion, like, visible explosion. <laughs> Tin provides her own sound effect. She's actually like, <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, like earlier, she was like, wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. <laughs> yeah. So the girl is dead. She's not like on the ground, unmoving and faking it, right? Hard to say on this world. Oh, no. Okay. Ertleby's going to make sure she's dead. <laughs> this is the world okay. where people look like they're dead and then they pull a diehard and then they come Double and like, yeah, yeah, strangle yeah. you. Um, so she's going to move Moonbeam on top of the fallen. All right. Vasa? Um, does the moonlight being on top of the no longer floating McFloat float, uh, does it do anything to the uh, body? It's ravaging the body. As in, like, causing it to shred and dissipate, or, like, showing that the person's actually alive and well underneath? Uh, the f- more the first one. Okay, well, you know what? She feels pretty good about that. 
Yeah. The fire's yeah. raging. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and turn my deadly arrows on the male. And I got a nat- oh, holy shit, I got a like- Jesus, I got a natural 20 again. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, I would show you guys, but that would take too much effort. All right, 27. <laughs> so yeah, you fire off an arrow, it connects. Um, it looks like you reopened a wound that was just getting ready to finish healing. So you kind of like, you're right back where you started with the last round. Uh-huh. And um, it looks over at where the portal used to be, and it screams in rage. And then uh-huh. it disappears. Oh. <laughs> Come back here, you little bitch. And, yeah, you hear Calliope just like, damn it, he always does that. What? Um, Bitch got some explaining to do. Yeah. So, uh, after that, um, you guys all turn to look at Brummelstone. Brummelstone, what are you doing? You can see that the portal's closed. The entire stadium is saved. People are recovering, pulling themselves up. Um... It was an inc- anyone who was able to catch it saw an incredibly heroic act. Brummelstone gains inspiration for that if you don't already have it. Damn! Hell Yay! yeah! Well deserved. Double inspiration. I know I'm a Brummel bro <laughs> in life now. So they they turn to look at Brummelstone. What are you doing? As he looks and he look down at his hands and he would drop to his knee, like exhausted and what you could read really as like sadness and he would just slam his fist like angrily into the ground and he would say damn it and he would stand up and he usually doesn't pull out his hammer but he would pull it out and wipe the dust off of it and like that's when he notices like there's no battle going on so wait Tompkins hops over the side Rumbleson are you hurt? And he's like looking around for Erdogan's bag. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine, Tompkins. I'm fine. <laughs> Calliope's looking around and she just looks frustrated. People who look like they were part of the production are trying to help the crowds and get them out of the way. Um, the other bards are laid out and people are trying to move them out of the way as well. But um, yeah, what are the rest of you doing? Uh, Tin is going to see if there's anyone that is injured or bleeding and see if they need okay. any help. Uh, She's making wheel okay, so sounds <laughs> in the background. All right, so Tin wanders off to go check the crowds. Roborto? <laughs> uh, Roborto would like to go over to the dead blue, the supposedly dead blue lady and poke their body with his foot. All right. So, um, yeah, she's she's still on fire. She's like on ghost fire, essentially. <laughs> Roberto <laughs> would like to stab the body in the head. Yeah, and the moonbeam's um, still on her. Like, Erdelby hasn't canceled it yet. So, like, you get kind of oh. close, but she's just... We can't <laughs> be too safe. <laughs> Roberto would like to stab the body in the head twice. Brummelstone would... I, I have a main that. hand attack and then a, do- uh, a double hand attack. Man, Roberto with these overkills. Yeah. And then an offhand attack. <laughs> so I basically poker I pokered my sword three times just to make sure. Damn, forget double tap. We got like quintuple <laughs> tap. Cool. So you dip your your weapon into the fires. As, as he pulls his weapons away, the rest of you can see that like 
Roberto casts a long shadow and his silhouette kind of like is sometimes enveloped by the moon beam. And it's just this really terrible visage that you're all taking a part of. Yeah, chill out, Roberto. Jesus. <laughs> I'll need to calm down. I'm protecting the family. There's like another like flare of light from the moonbeam as it catches something else on fire, and the silhouette of Roberto grows stronger. At some point, at some point, um, Vasa looking on like she's all for confirming that enemies are dead, but she doesn't like seeing um, a part of her doesn't like seeing what is arguably the most innocent member of the team look as if he's becoming lost to the bloodthirst. And then, and then uh, she would go up. And if she can't, can she approach the moonbeam slash enveloped Roberta without harming herself? Like it's just yeah, 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 yeah. She would, um, she would actually approach the intimidating visage of Roberto, and if she can, lay out a hand on his back. Obviously, not the front, because he's stabbing the shit out of this thing. And she would, <laughs> she would sort of like shout over the noise of of the moonbeam slash dissipating flesh slash Roberto slashes, being like, um, Roberto, she is dead. She has no further hold on this world, and therefore she should have no hold on you. Cease your attacks. And then, like, try to, like, nudge him away from that. Roberto will follow. Kind of walks, backs away from the body. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. That was kind of, uh... And then Vasa just, like, pats his back and is like, I know, I know. And then, like, tries to incorporate him back into the group. Arguably closer to Brummelstone, who is his anchor. Uh, As you look off, Brummelstone's kind of wandered off. What? Oh, God. Just to seduce another lady? <laughs> that, uh, can't, can't keep it in his pants. Um, yeah, if it, well, in that case, Voss is like, well, I guess I have to be Roberto's babysitter now. And um, guides Roberto back alongside um, to stand by Ertleby from afar to watch the moon ba- beam do whatever it has left to do on the corpse of the float to McFloat float. You see Roberto pull back from it, but he does not look like he's completely uh, snapped out of it. Like, or maybe he doesn't regret what he's done. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, Psh. he's all done with it, but he does not necessarily look like he's like, oh my God, what happened to me? Like, he's like, yeah, I'm done. Ertleby mm. uh, uh, would have been watching that and just taking it in a little. Uh, she would. Kill the moonbeam, but she'd also she'd just be a little wary, knowing that this is a this is a town that loves drama, and something was going on with Roberto. Um, but then she'd uh she'd look for Calliope, and she's looking around. She's got her loot out, and she's kind of like walking very carefully, like just like she's at any moment she could just rip into like a, a solo. Calliope, Calliope, what's up, girl? Come over here. We'd like to speak to you. <laughs> Calliope, who uh, was that? Fam? Uh, that. Okay. Um, that. I'm pretty sure that was like. That was Crogolus. And that's uh, crazy. And I don't know where he is. Who that? Crogolus? Who is that? He's, he's like the guy. I mean, he's the guy that opened the, the portal. Oh, but he's evil, it turns out, then. Um. Is yeah. Oh, wait. 
Like that was wait, wait. I'll talk to the bards. We might not have told the story very well. That was the point of the story was that we were supposed to like the guardian comes to stop the spirit world from opening up and all of the ogre beasts from being released. Oh, I thought you were saying that he was the guardian. No, because you no, were like, no, no, no. You like the because the guardian Zell is, a is the guardian. A, a, no, no. Oh, okay. That was my fault. I'm I'm old and easily confused. No, okay, no. a bard right, always so, takes blame for a bad so, story. That's our fault. We'll, we'll work on it in post. No, no, but like, but Zell, you did say that Zell was not being accurately depicted, right? Yeah. She's looking around. And he was a bit of a turd. How do you know that? Because I was there. <laughs> Look, we've got to find... It's not over yet. He just turned invisible. Oh. Oh, what? What? Yeah, you, he's... You should bury the lead. Bury the lead. Wait, aren't Why you guys adventurers? Stop Moonbeam? Yes. Moonbeam <laughs> can, like, make things appear in their true form, which I imagine might work for invisible... Why no, it wouldn't work did I for that. move my thumb? Oh, okay, good. It was fine that I moved my thumb then. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but we better find this invisible guy. This is guy. so crazy. What uh, is he doing here still? She's just looking around, freaking out. You seem kind of knowledgeable and... All right, so how should we find an invisible guy? What's your advice? Well, last time... Let's get a big bed sheet. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> oh my god! What is? Does anyone have any paint? Can we just throw paint into the air? <laughs> no. Wait, you're. We're in a theater. You guys make sets all the time. We're not in You've a theater. We're in the ruins of a castle. We don't make sets here. Okay, it's a castle that has plays in it. All right, fine. Never mind. Um, I really liked my idea about throwing paint in the air. It would have been a great comedic scene world what do we know about this this bad this bad guy this what's his sorry what's his name again Krogolus. Krogolus. like what do you know about him and she looks confused she's like i mean everything we said in the in the play okay. was it that bad did we really screw that play up oh it was great i loved it i just <laughs> what parts of it the part where oh shit that was real the guy where, where the guy got stabbed oh. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't part of the play. She's looking around. Where's the wizard? He seemed like smart, and she, she like looks around. Very rude. <laughs> yeah, just not very subtle. That's okay. At that point, Roberto will be like, "Where's Brummelstone?" and like just calling out his name because <laughs> he's supposed to protect him, and he doesn't know where he is. I don't know. I don't <laughs> care about him. I'm looking for the wizard. Calliope's talking about Brummelstone, but doesn't know his name. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Off in the distance, you'd probably hear like pounding and like someone throwing like wood or chairs or like cutting over. To you, Brummelstone, you've made your way kind of downstairs in the lower level of uh, Castle Gilcrest. As you smash something else, um, Tompkins comes from around the corner and says, hey, buddy. Brummelstone would like whatever he had in his hands, like probably spare wood or whatever, just throw it down. He goes, it's gone, Tompkins. It's fucking gone. We'll find him. You can't find it. You can't get it back. It's gone. My orb, it's gone. My magic is gone, Tom. Oh, well, where did you last leave it? 
I wish it was that easy. Because you forgot? And he would sit down. And then he takes a step back and he's like, oh. Oh, no. And he, he kind of he walks over to you and sits down next to you. Um, you know, and then with Tompkins there, Rumblestone remembers like his his own kind of responsibility. And he says, it's fine. A dwarf will fight however he can. And he pulls out his hammer and he says, let us join the others. No. Um. And he looks up at you and he's like, I'd forgotten what that orb means to you. It's not just your spells, is it? It's much more than that. And he kind of looks down and he's like, Is there any way to get all the memories back? Brumblestone just walks off. Come on, we have more battles to do. There's a shard to be found. And then you guys, as you start to look for Brumblestone, you you see him walking um, up the stairs. Like he, there was like a small passage off to the side. And after you heard like some more of that smashing, and then you're like, "Oh, we had to go over there." As you make your way over there, he comes uh, through that doorway and almost bumps into you guys. You can see like just this heavy weight on Brumblestone's face. Well, you, do you want to describe how you look, Brumblestone, as you come back up? Uh, probably the best description would be like. If Brumblestone has probably spent the whole time carrying any pain and emotional weight he has to himself, and any sort of shield that was is lit down, his whole body composure is like is is, is flaccid. It's not a good word for it, but it's weak and limp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, like you probably dysfunctional. You know, like dysfunctional. Yeah, and like uh, if it's at that point, you could see almost like the bags under his eyes and the worry, like. He's almost ashen, like, you know, like, everything is hitting him uh, emotionally there. Like, he's lost all this, but he also, he doesn't have a past, and now he doesn't know his future. Because he had a role, and now he doesn't know what that role is. And he would probably press forward, He, he would look like he's trying to keep himself composed, but he's doing a really, really bad job at it. Uh, Vasa wouldn't really understand the source of Brummelstone's like sudden, incredibly visible uh, sort of defeat or, or burden because she doesn't understand exactly what the orb means to Brummelstone. I'm sure they might have talked about it passing, but she kind of like sees how how impacted Brummelstone is, and she kind of like looks to Roberto, kind of like gives him a little push in the back towards his brother. Yeah, Br- Roberto like you know <clears throat> notices immediately that something's really, really wrong, but um just like doesn't know the source of it either at the moment so just kind of puts his arm around his brummel so i'm just kind of like hey we're alive we made it uh, let's go let's go um let's take a rest i guess it's been a long day and normally brummelstone might try to like pull away or show strength in that but he would lean into it and there might be tears rolling down his eyes Tin would turn to Calliope uh, and as quietly as possible be like uh, where does that portal lead exactly? Like, What's on the other side of it? And she looks around and she says um, do you believe in the afterlife? 
and that might I don't know how that hits you Tin it's up to you but like the Forged um, if you don't remember on Cog especially wrestle with that concept because as far as they know when they die they end yeah I was like kind of asking the wrong <laughs> Forged here lady um, I believe that there are other dimensions and gateways and worlds that some might consider to be an afterlife well that's what that is and she looks over and um, she says so I missed something and she kind of just looks at Brummelstone like what's up he would kind of look around and he, he realized he explained it to Tompkins but he hadn't explained it to anyone else. And he said, what I knew that void, what I knew that portal as was a, was a mana void. It opened up, it created a pocket of arcana magic. So I dumped everything I had into it and everything I had was my orb. And without it, I can't cast spells. I can't do anything. I can't, keep any of you safe the way I could. Or don't, like, immediately understands, like, the gravity of the situation and he turns to Brummelstone it's like, you... I... you... you still have are capable of keeping us safe. Like, I need you more than you need me. And, um, we... you know, as long as you are you are by my side and all of us are together, we can give each other strength. And so, like, orb or no orb, we can we can do this. We can still fight this. He says, "Yeah, he's. I will fight alongside you, but I fear I'll become a burden." Never. Uh, so Tin has feelings, really, really strong feelings about this. Um, in the sense of she can empathize with that feeling of losing the one thing that is like, or I guess Brummelstone has more than one thing that's really valuable to him, but losing something extremely valuable to you and so she kind of like is hearing like Brummelstone's like trying to like accepting the fate and like Roborto kind of turning into like accepting what's happened and she like digs in stomps her heel a little bit and she turns to Clive and she's like, is there a way that we can open that and like we need to try and get his orb back she's like in order to open that that portal I mean you would need Krogalos for that to get that back he's the one that opens like cool portals to like spirit worlds and stuff but and she looks over and she says um what are you all doing here because she like looks at you guys and she's like and then she pokes her finger into um, Vasa's chest she's like you you're not from here I know that you look like you're from Menroth Vasa is like kind of pushes back the finger and she's about to like say something a little bit snappy but then she kind of pauses and she says like Rollum yes 
I'm really good. The rest of you, I don't know. But um, <laughs> if you're here from like another world, you're probably doing something really big. So I feel like I should help you. That feels like the right thing to do. So, let, okay, let me ask you this. Are you guys in a rush? Yes. We need to get his orb back, and then we need to go get the shard that's in some field of dreams. Okay, I don't think about that. Romulusung would say, no, we need to get the shard. And then she looks over at you, Romulusung, and she's like, I think I know someone that can help. Can you catch up with them? It's a sort of like Avasa would, um, after a moment, she would lay, she would sort of lay a hand on Brummel's shoulder and she says, "You should go. Um, as long as you draw breath, you have value to us. But we, are, you are also owed what has value to you. We'll be okay for a while without you." You would say, "Protect them as best as you can." And Avasa just nods. And then Tomkin says, "Do you want me to come with you?" Tompkins, you just slow them down. Oh. Rumblestone would like take a knee and lean to Tompkins, and he goes, Sir Tompkins, you're more important here than with me. You need to stay on the quest for the shard. It's not clear why right now, but this is important for you, and you might be one of our most valuable members. I'm just a wizard without magic. Is a dwarf from Obremus lost on a world. You, you're a hero. He just kind of nods and he's like, "Can you tell the others that again?" Vasa <laughs> just kind of jerks out, kind of like drags Tompkins over by his by, her, by his like clothes. Just like get over here, Tompkins. <laughs> yeah. So you drag <laughs> him away, moment. and uh, Calliope says, uh, "Yeah, come with me. I I think I." I think I should take you to go see Dresden. That Ertleby would, like, like, interrupt and be like, Orb or no orb, you have tremendous value, Mr. Dwarf. You're the moral center of our group, and you always have been, and you always will be, even if you come back with a handful of pine cones instead of your orb. But I still wish you the best, and know that I've got a little Brummelstone angel on my shoulder telling me to do the right thing in your absence. Thank you, Grandma. That means a lot. Uh, If you ever do pass by the forest, please put in a good word for Paddington for me. And Avasa just rolls her eyes, and she's (laughs) just like, get going. Come back when you're back at full power and insufferable. Thanks for listening to episode 68, Bards Being Bards. Brummelstone's made the difficult choice to leave the world walkers while he explores the world of fables, searching for a way to restore his powers. His journey will continue in a side adventure that members of our Patreon can follow. If you want to travel with Brummelstone and see where his efforts lead him, head on over to patreon.com worldwalkers and consider becoming a member. The music from this episode comes from Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com. The sound effects come from Sirenscape, which you can find at sirenscape.com. They're assholes.
Oh, okay. I gave them money. Like a venereal disease, these sparks <laughs> would God spread your story. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me one second. Yeah. Just- I love the idea that the dogs are trying to protect her. God, danger, danger! Don't go to any of the boobs. They're all terrible. She goes in the other room, and like the dogs just like mauled a robber, and she's like, "Will you quit making noise?" (laughs) I feel like that's a comic right there. Stop barking at everything. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is the closest to a shattering Olivia's desperate. Sham that she has a home, and now she's like in a hallway. But she's like, "No, guys, I'm in a yu- uh, yoga." Studio, <laughs> she's like actually broken into a real yoga studio. <laughs> this is where I live now. <laughs> Next one, she's like this cool camper that I'm in. It's just yeah. a van. <laughs> World squatters. It's like obviously my Prius. <laughs> increasingly more. I guess like, you got a tiny home. <laughs> Like one time she's just gonna be like, Yeah, here's me and my suite and it's like literally just a New York bus and the back moves and the little like sign moves away from her. <laughs> Ooh, exciting life I lead, isn't it? <laughs> Someone gets stabbed on the bus, she's like, God, my roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat the red though. Can't beat the red. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lying down because I literally don't have any energy beyond speaking. You look super I feel like you're beautiful. about to make a really, like, personal YouTube video. It's like, guys, <laughs> guys yeah, really hard can to... I just, like, be real for a second? Like, <laughs> really, really not believe deep. what happened today. <laughs> I was on the bus, okay? <laughs>